You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Brandon Blewett. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, October 23rd, 2023. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin reports on a Zoom audio glitch during the public comment portion of the Bloomington Board of Public Works meeting last Thursday. More in the bottom half of tonight's program. One in three women experience sexual assault or sexual violence in their lifetime. And if you are to go through that, we're here for you. We want to help you. I hope what I said and what resources I gave them help them in their next step in their journey in life. That's Macy Long from Middleway House on a quest to end domestic violence and sexual assault in our community. Middleway's annual tree sweater public art project is now in full swing. More on that later in the show on a new episode of Activate. But first, your daily headlines. The Monroe County Council met on October 17th for the second reading and the adoption of the 2024 budget. Council member Pete Iverson introduced the budget resolution. This ordinance resolution will be in full force and effect from and after its passage and approval by the Monroe County Council. Funds, uh, name Special Fire General, adopted budget is $14,995,240. The adopted tax levy is $9,013,801, and the adopted tax rate is 0.2546. For Special Cum Fire, the adopted budget is $1,178,766. The adopted tax levy is $1,215,418, and the adopted tax rate is 0.0333. For a total adopted budget of $16,174,006, a total adopted tax levy of $10,229,219, and a total adopted tax rate of 0.2879. The council voted to approve the Monroe Fire Protection District 2024 budget and the Monroe County Solid Waste Management District 2024 budget. Before voting on the Monroe County 2024 budget, council member Marty Hawk asked about the amount set for the debt levy. Council President Kate Wiltz responded. Could you remind me, I'm speaking to county attorney, uh, why the debt service levy is where it is? It's still listed at $5 million instead of the lower amount. Council Administrator Kim Shell added that the higher amount was put in during budgeting, but will be changed after the Department of Local Government Finance finalizes the paperwork. That amount is what we put in with regards you know, to budgeting. When uh, the paperwork is finalized on the GEO bond, then DLGF will make those uh, changes after they receive all that documentation. So we leave it as is until they go through and then they fix it. Hawk asked about the amount of money the bond was advertised for, saying it was advertised as $5 million instead of the $4.4 million they adopted. County Attorney Jeff Cockrell said at last week's first hearing of the budget, the council approved a $3.1 million general obligations bond. I'll just remind that at last week's 
uh, council meeting, the council approved the bond documentation for a $3.1 million bond. Uh, typically, and the, this is sent to the state, the state gets a copy of it, and the state, when they do their, I want to call them 16-line statements, but they have, a, they have a, a much more advanced and technical name than that. Uh, the 1782 statements, when they come in, it will it will only put in the amount of what the debt is, um, or the debt payments are actually, and then it will it will adjust the rate accordingly. So at the end of the day, the amount on the tax bill next year will be reflective of a 3.1 million dollar bond. Hawk said that she is not comfortable advertising the bond as 4.4 million, as it gives the council legal room to use 4.4 instead of 3.1 million. Cockerell responded and shared that there are time constraints to approving the bond. Well, so I did remember the right number, and yes. I did remember that they advertised it at that $5 million. Um, but um, I'm not comfortable with uh, advertising it now at the $4.4 million because could this council then uh, adjust that bond number up to $4.4? Because we've already... Um, advertised it at 4.4, adopting it at 4.4? I am not bond counsel, so I do not know the answer to that. I do know that the appropriation, which will be on your next agenda, next next Tuesday's agenda, uh, reflects the 3.1 million. I, 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 I suppose technically, I think, if there were time, <laughs> by now in the end of the year, it could a new bond could have been issued for the, the remaining amount, but I, I don't foresee that happening. County Auditor Catherine Smith added that she discussed the issue with the Department of Local Government Finance, and they said it wouldn't make a difference what it is advertised as. Okay, so I discussed this with, with the DLGF, and they, they will adjust the rate accordingly, as everyone else has told you as well. Um, and this is outside of our levy, and we're only, obviously, whatever, however the bond is closed, is that's how it will be. So it's going to be at the 3.1. Um, the DLGF said not to, they advised that we could change it, but it didn't make a difference. So I just didn't at that point in time. However, I can. It, it truly is just not going to make a difference unless we're going to scramble here at the end of the year and try to have another bond approved at this point. Iverson said he was comfortable with moving forward due to the advice of the county attorney and the county auditor. Council is correct. We talked about this previously. DLGF is weighing in and saying the same thing the council is saying. I think we are being very transparent here. I think the, even the advertised amounts that are here are going to be you know, adjusted as the agreement is between our auditor's office and council. So I'm, I'm comfortable with the way things are given the advice that we're given or we're getting and also, you know, the conversation we had, uh, what was it, a week, a week ago. Uh, so that's, those are my feelings on this matter. Hawk remarked that the debt levy is set high initially. However, at this point in time, she would like to be it set in stone. When you first advertise it when, during the local budget notice, you set it high because you don't really know what, what we, the council, are going to decide. And so they set it high enough so that we could have that debate to decide how much we were going to do. But at this point in time, now you're setting a rate 
if you look at that debt service, you're seeing that rate. Mm -hmm. And we vote on this for that higher amount with that rate. And if between now and the time we actually move forward with the bond, we haven't, right? Right. We haven't sold the bond. Somebody says, oh, we've got this other good plan. We've advertised high enough. We can do it. I'm saying legally, we probably could. Uh, so I did try to reach DLGF today uh, to talk to Fred, and um, he was not in. Uh, but at any rate, there you go. Uh, I can't help but call our attention to it. I appreciate it. Because um, I, I, I agree that I would rather be more accurately reflective of our mm -hmm. intent. Mm -hmm. um, be I, off by a million just to put in some extra because we need to make sure we got interest to cover. I mean, that might make everybody feel comfortable going, oh, well, we've got it at least high enough. That's comfortable for everyone except for the people we represent, which is the public. Mm -hmm. Council President Kate Wiltz agreed she would like it to be more accurate. However, she didn't want to alter the official budget at the official budget meeting. Hesitate to change this mid-meeting simply because it. I don't. I don't want to have to do the math that in the other columns might be affected and mess it up. In a and this is the official reading. So I just want to express my concern and um, and hope that, as Councillor Munson pointed out, that. Um, it has been clear to the public and the media that our intent with the debt service is a lower budgeted amount than is currently listed. Councilmember Trent Deckard commented that they will ensure it will remain at the agreed upon $3.1 million amount. Well, and I, I would say that my intent also is that $3.1 million um, and I mean, we're, we're saying this in front of our county treasurer, we're saying it in front of representatives, uh, from our auditor, from in front of the media, in front of the folks at home, that is my intent. And I'm going to earmark this as an item that I watch intently to make sure that that intent is followed through. And I think that that is, uh, that is our duty to do. Uh, at the same time, I will say this, we are at a point uh, where the work on this budget uh, has brought us to this point uh, and so my, my takeaway is that that work we've done does move forward. My intent now is to watch this, which is what I was hired to do uh, by the taxpayers, and uh, I took their instructions seriously. I appreciate Councillor Hawks pointing this out. Now we have to watch it and, uh, and move forward in, in my, my humble opinion. The council voted 5-1 to one to approve the Monroe County 2024 budget with Councilmember Marty Hawk voting no. They also approved the Monroe County 2024 Salary Ordinance for elected officials and Monroe County employees. The next Monroe County Council will be held on November 14th.
In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin reports on a Zoom audio glitch during the public comment portion of the Bloomington Board of Public Works meeting last Thursday. We turn to Dave Askins for more. The B-Square Bulletin sends out an emailed morning bulletin every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can sign up for the morning bulletin by visiting bsquarebulletin.com and clicking on the tab labeled subscribe. Here's an entry from a recent edition. The headline is Zoom Audio Glitch at the BZA. At Thursday's Board of Zoning Appeals meeting, the presentation from city planning staff about Beacon's request for a conditional use approval was delayed by some technical difficulties. The in-person meeting took place in the city council's chambers. The zoning planner who was to give the presentation was joining the meeting on the Zoom video conferencing platform. The audio was fine for Zoom participants. They could hear everything in chambers and from other Zoom participants. But the audio from Zoom participants could not be heard in the city council chambers. For anyone who attended the city council's meeting the night before, it was deja vu or maybe more accurately, déjà pas en deux. The council experienced the exact same technical difficulty on Wednesday, which became apparent when someone tried to give public commentary over Zoom. The city council's solution was to punt on that person's chance for public comment and to encourage the would-be commenter to send an email to the council. Between Wednesday and Thursday, Whatever communication might have been sent from the city council or its staff to the city's IT department, it did not cause a solution to be found for the council chamber's audio problem before the BZA meeting started. During Thursday's BZA meeting, a call was made to the IT director who called an IT staffer who was in city hall, who arrived in council chambers and sorted out the situation. What was the impact of Thursday's technical difficulty? By my watch, it took 13 minutes to resolve the issue. That might not sound too bad, but when you add up the people in council chambers, the audience on Zoom, and the city staff, and BZA members, you get around 75 people who are waiting in real time for 13 minutes. That's 975 person minutes, or about 16 person hours. So the audio difficulty cost Bloomington's community two full working days. That's not nothing. Until next week, this has been Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin for WFHB. It's that time of year where everyone in Bloomington is wearing sweaters, even the trees. The Rapton Love Tree Sweater Project is more than just public art. It also raises money for Middleway House, a local nonprofit working to end domestic violence and sexual assault in our community. This year, for the first time ever, the city of Bloomington is partnering with Middleway on the Wrapped in Love Project. Middleway House volunteer Macy Long is our guest this week on a new episode of Activate, coming your way right now 
on the WFHB Local News. Welcome to Activate, featuring real people working for positive change in our community, encouraging you to get involved, live your passion, and make a difference. Hi, I'm Macy from Middleway House. Middleway House is an organization in Bloomington that provides shelter to people fleeing or actively experiencing domestic abuse, sexual violence, or human trafficking. We provide emergency shelter to people actively experiencing and fleeing um, domestic violence, sexual abuse, or human trafficking through our emergency shelter that's open 24-7, as well as our crisis line to get in contact with the emergency shelter and those that work there. And we also do our really well-known transitional housing at the rise where people that, you know, want to get their life back on track after the deep trauma they've experienced, we can, uh, give them, give them housing, um, based on a lot of different things and they can experience, you know, programs that will help them get back on their feet, programs that will help them flourish in life after what they've been through that, um, has set them back. We live in a community with 40 to 50,000 students coming in every single year to come live here. One in three women experience sexual assault or sexual violence in their lifetime. That's a lot of young people coming to this city for the first time that are at risk for a lot of different things happening in their lives. And Middleway House is a beacon of light and beacon of hope for those um, people that have experienced that. We also have that prevention programming as well at Middleway House to embed in young minds that this is not okay, that this is not something that you have to go through. This isn't something you should go through. And if you are to go through that, we're here for you. We want to help you. If you're willing to even just be a listening ear, it goes, it goes so far for someone that needed it. Sometimes people just call to have a listening ear. And if you can just listen to someone and be there for them and be their shoulder to cry on every once in a while, in my time as a volunteer, I've worked with the crisis line. You can be directly hands-on answering crisis calls and being that um, shoulder for support for someone. There's hard days where you're like, I, I cannot believe that someone out there is going through that. But then you leave at the end of the day feeling like, I hope what I said and what resources I gave them help them in their next step in their journey in life. The people behind the mission at Middleway House are truly, truly, truly the best people you'll ever meet. They make volunteers feel so welcome. They make volunteers feel heard, listened to, and known, and rewarded, and recognized. When you walk through the doors at Middleway House, everyone is your friend. For anyone that does not know, when this tree sweaters pop up in Bloomington, it's not just a public art display. It's the Wrapped in Love public art display by um, Middleway House. The goal of Wrapped in Love is to show the survivors that they are wrapped in love and we are here for them and want to provide the resources that they need, whatever that means for them. Um, all around downtown, we wrap trees in literal sweaters knitted out of crochet materials, yarn, and even pictures. Anything that we can make a tree sweater out of, we're going to make a tree sweater out of. Even how it doesn't matter how big the tree is, we're going to wrap that tree in love. You'll see the angel tree downtown. You'll see the um, you'll see the colorful tree with the pot of flowers on it. You'll see the Ruth Bader Ginsburg tree. It really goes to show we we want to celebrate and highlight our artists' work as well as celebrate 
that they're here to support our mission and the whole community loves it. If you want to volunteer for Middleway House, we're always accepting new volunteers for many, many positions, whether that be um, volunteering for a shift on the crisis line every once in a while or getting directly involved with our child care services. We would love to hear that you want to volunteer. You can go to middlewayhouse.org and there is a volunteer tab as well as a donate tab if you are feeling generous to our mission. Our website again is middlewayhouse.org for all of our information about our nonprofit. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Macy Long with Middleway House, where we provide meaningful alternatives to living with violence. You've been listening to Activate True Stories from friends and neighbors who stand up for what they believe in. Activate is a partnership between WFHB and the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network, working together to build a strong, healthy, and engaged community with production support from students in the media school at Indiana University. You can learn more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area online at bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. That's bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. This is In Nature. The Cuban toady is a small, colorful bird that is among the 30 species of birds that can only be seen in Cuba. The toady is just over 4 inches tall and weighs a mere 2 ounces. It has a large head relative to its small body size. The toady has a vivid green neck and back, a red throat, pink on its flanks, and a blue ear patch. This bird is common throughout the island, residing in a wide variety of habitats. At times, the Cuban toady may be difficult to see, but this tiny bird constantly calls from its hidden perch with a soft, rolling trill. Toady pairs nest in a long tunnel in a clay embankment or in a tree cavity. The entrance, tunnel, and nest are lined with grass, lichen, and feathers. The female lays three to four eggs, and both parents incubate and raise their young. Toadies primarily eat insects, but may also include fruit, spiders, and small lizards. The toady is subject to predation by the introduced Indian mongoose and by people. You've been listening to In Nature, a production of WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noelle Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Dave Askins. Activate is produced by Chad Carruthers and Michelle Moss. 
Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Brandon Blewett. And I'm Cade Young. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB. WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 